Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Everyone, welcome back to another wonderful evening or morning with uh, dad and daughter as hey. we invite you into our family. And Welcome. And we're going to do fun. Oh, and who do we have? Still here? Holly. There she is. She'll leave for sure. She's been sitting there for a while. She's been here for about an hour since the yeah, last Yeah, she'll show. get bored soon. So uh, welcome back to another wonderful episode of Father Knows Something. Mm. He can't remember anything, but he does know. He remember some things. Long term. Yeah. But apparently, I'm not I, the worst. I've been getting beaten up about this ice cream in the refrigerator. Well, this is like the second time you've done it, so I'm like, you ruined the ice cream twice. Just, I didn't ruin good the, ice cream. Wait a minute, I didn't ruin the ice it cream. It gets soupy, and then it doesn't like freeze it's, the same I way. I tried it it's this morning. It's pretty gross. I tried it was the same. It's thing. like trying to save Dairy Queen. Every time I go to Dairy Queen in Minnesota, I'm like, I'm gonna save it. And it's gonna be so good later. It's fine. Nope. Trash. Do you think they want to hear the stuff about us right now? Or do you think they want to hear really what you have going on in that computer? I mean, I would say maybe a little bit of both. Really? As long as it doesn't draw out too long. We're, we're moving on. So this week's theme is intervene or move on. Interventions. So do you who, choose to have them or do you just move on with your life? Are, we, are, are you saying that we invite, that should we invite intervention, a family to come be a part of this solution? Or explain that. You'll see. Well, I think when you traditionally think of the word intervention, yes. it's usually surrounding addiction, which we will get to. Obviously, we are not qualified therapists, psychologists, or psychiatrists, but more in a loose sense of like, is it time for an intervention where you would bring in a qualified therapist or do you just need to remove yourself? But There are those stories, but there's also interventions in a more non-traditional sense, just relating to relationships. Like, okay. do you intervene or do you just remove yourself? Well, we're going to find out because she's going to start with story number one. Let's get into it. Okay, so up first. Hi, Father Knows Something. I'm a big fan of the show and the whole THT group. I, 24 female, have been having some issues with my partner's 24 male brother, 22 male, over the past year. For some background, my boyfriend and I have been together for almost four years, but have been best friends for six. He is incredibly close to his family, especially his two younger brothers, I, 24 male, and O, 19 male. He is incredibly close to his family, especially his two younger brothers, I, 22 male, and O, 19 male. All three boys went to high school slash boarding school in Switzerland, and the youngest, O, just graduated in June of 2022. In COVID, the middle brother, I, was struggling in uni and ended up taking a break to go back to school in Switzerland to work as essentially a nanny for the families that live on campus and be with the youngest brother who was going to school there at the time. When we all lived in the same country, I and myself also became good friends. I was pretty upset when he left back for Swissy, but knew it was something he needed to reevaluate himself. He pretty much went silent for the year he was in Switzerland as a means to gain a sense of self and independence. However, when we went over there for O's graduation, we come to learn that I has a girlfriend that he had not told us about. This girlfriend is a 17-year-old student at the school, the equivalent of an American junior in high school, and is also an American citizen. I could not bring myself to speak to her, much less look at her, since the age difference and the blatant power imbalance he has as an employee of the school. It was an incredibly red flag for me, making me readdress his character altogether. O and I both moved back to the States, and the relationship ended shortly before his return. But I still cannot find myself being able to be around him, 
much less rekindle the friendship we had prior to his return to Switzerland. I have talked with my boyfriend about it, and I know it also bothers him. But since it is over, and he didn't know before it happened, he doesn't really feel like there's anything he can do. I should add that when I was 16, I had a relationship with a 21-year-old. So the same age difference as I and his ex-girlfriend. And it left a lot of severe damage. I am thankful to have a supportive partner who understands my trauma, but we have never expected for it to arise so close to the family again. I feel like I cannot bring it up with I because I know how defensive he will get as the age of consent in Switzerland is 16, but they are both USA citizens and are breaking the Romeo and Juliet law. I don't know if this will end up being a consistent issue or if this relationship was a one-off given the settings and circumstance. Either way, for some reason, I feel like it is my duty to let any girl in the future know about this relationship because I personally do not know a single woman where this would not be a massive red flag or deal breaker. So I'm going to read the ideal outcome and additional info before we really get into this one. Okay. In an ideal world, I would have no relationship with someone who I know dated a high schooler. Unfortunately, he is family, and I cannot cut him out of my life as much as I would like to. I suppose I am reaching out to get you a third-party opinion as people removed from my situation as I do not know what else I can do slash how to exist around it anymore. Additional info, he is currently out of the country again on a road trip in Australia and will not be back until August. I am afraid he's going to try and ask to live with my boyfriend and I when he returns, so he doesn't have to move back in with his parents. I have communicated with my boyfriend, and we both agree that it would not be smart to continue to expose myself to a constant trigger. I've been in therapy for years and have been successful in recovery from my own experience until this trigger occurred. Since then, I have been experiencing regular panic attacks and sometimes even vomit. I am still going to therapy, as is my partner separately, and we are trying to find someone for couples counseling. Other than that, we do not know what to do as it is so close to home. Any advice is appreciated. Okay, so I see that her that, that her biggest issue is that she certainly went through as a 16-year-old with a relationship with a guy that was 21 years old and how it affected her. Mm-hmm. And I get that. And, you know, the fact that he was immature, he went against the rules, he did, the school didn't call him to the carpet on it or they didn't know about it. Or they don't care. Or they don't care. And she feels it's her life to go police something that happened a year or two ago. Uh, that ship has sailed, in my opinion. But let me finish. Let me finish. Far as the fact that he doesn't know how to show responsibility and what he can bring to you if he comes back and says, hey, can I move in with you guys? You certainly, absolutely have a reason to to say, you know something, I just don't feel comfortable with it because I have no idea if you're going to bring another 15 or 16 or 17-year-old into this house and make me exposed for statutory, statutory rape. That is a valid, valid argument. Yep. And I'm with you on that one. Yeah. But what he did in the past and what he... Can you go back and hammer him on it? Look, he was young and dumb and stupid, and she was just as as much as she's a minor, and she should know better at this point in time. A lot, a lot of people at this age are very rebellious against their parents, their family. There's anger. There's all this shit, this dynamic that's going on where, thank God, sometimes people grow up and they move on with their lives. This thing is, has gone away as fast as it's come as far as we know, and you know, the brother or our writer's experience? The brother's experience. The writer, she is still going through her trauma of yeah. being in love with a guy that, that let her down the path. She she was in love with him or he groomed her or whatever it might have been. That's that's her experience. She has to go deal with her own her mm-hmm. own issue. The thing that happened with the, with with I and this 17-year-old at this point in time, it's out of her control. And she's got a not focus on that. She can focus on her own issue and she can certainly focus on preventing herself to be a party of it in the future. That part I'm totally down for. But um, what happened with, with I in the past, um, I can't tell you the experience. I mean, this whole thing was irresponsible as far as the school goes. Uh, Absolutely. A, a, faculty, a faculty member uh, getting involved with a student 
That is, well, he was he was a nanny for families going there. So it's like, as a nanny, what other kids did he have access to? Well, he's a is part- this how he met he was a the predator. 17-year-old? I get like, you know. He was a predator. But speaking to someone who, he went to boarding school in Switzerland. In his brain, the way he has been raised is the age of consent in Switzerland is 16. I didn't really live in the States growing up. I went to boarding school. I got shipped off to Switzerland. Mm-hmm. That's my context. So it's not unusual in Switzerland for a 17-year-old to date a 21-year-old. Maybe that's his context. Is it right? No, that's quite the age gap. If you can drink alcohol, you don't have any place dating a high schooler, especially one that you didn't date when you were also in high school. If you're dating an 18-year-old at 20, but you went to high school together and that's where you met, and now you've just aged up together, a little bit of a different story. I'm with you. This is a power imbalance, and he took advantage of a young girl Uh, while he was in a position of power. But- where do you go from here? Our lovely writer is in therapy. Love, absolutely love hearing that. I think I would ask the question to your therapist, how do I confront him and move past this? I think a lot of times in lives we have these issues come up and we assume that people know why we've distanced ourselves from them. Mm-hmm. We assume they know we're mad at them. We assume they know we're uncomfortable with them now after they did something. That probably isn't the reality for I. I think personally, if this were me, I would confront him. And I don't give a fuck if he's going to get defensive. I'm with you. It doesn't matter. If he gets defensive, you know that maybe he's projecting a little and knows what he did is wrong. But at the same time, you shouldn't have to harbor your feelings to protect his comfortability because he did do something wrong. So confront him and say, you know what? And moving in, if he has to move in, it's the perfect opportunity. But you can just say like when he gets back, hey, can we can we all sit down and have a discussion? I went through a similar situation in my past and you dating a girl so much younger than you was very triggering for me. It makes me very uncomfortable. And I know the age of consent in Switzerland is not the same as the States, Granted, some states you can marry at 13. Child brides should be illegal. Look at your Republican senators voting to not make it illegal. (coughs) Side note. But it made me really uncomfortable. And I don't agree with it. And I don't know how to be friends anymore after it. It's To be honest, it has made me look at you Mm -hmm. a little differently. I don't want to see this happen again. I don't want to see this happen again. And I don't want to be a part of it. And I definitely don't want to be a part of it. So I think it's best that one, I don't think you can live with us, but two, how do we, you know, guarantee this doesn't happen again going forward? Was this a one-off or are you going to constantly go after younger girls? Because it's something I'm concerned about. You're all, an, you're an adult. This is, a, this is a fair conversation to have. And as someone that's going to be in your life, Forever. I mean, you even said it's family. I can't just cut them out, which you can cut out family, but you don't want to at this point. So how do you make this easier for yourself going forward? Because panic attacks where you're vomiting, you can't deal with that forever. That's unfair to you. No, I think the fair, the, the fairest thing that you said, the most realistic thing is you sit down and have a conversation and do exactly the plan that you just said. I agree fully on it and put it all on the table. And do it with responsibility. You have nothing to lose. I mean, at this point, you're living in a like a state of anxiety and panic and getting so upset to the point you puke is terrible for you. So what do you have to lose by confronting him? Nothing. 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 So I think you can say what you need to say as far as telling every single girl he dates going forward. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm like, just stay out of the mess. That's it. Stay. Stay out of the mess. You have you have a you have a certain claim that you want to that that's disturbed you that you witnessed, and you're letting him know right off the bat. Either if you want to be in my life, I just want to understand what kind of man you are, and decide if I really want to be a party party that, or if it's too disturbing to me. And if it's and then he'll understand clearly that if this is a part of who he is, you can say you know something. Rub's too close to home with me. I just got to, I got to move on from our friendship and mm-hmm. good luck to you. And, but I think that we're 
our friendship is we we don't see thing eye to eye. We're not on the same you know wavelength of integrity. It it it. I find it very disturbing to me, and I can't be a part of it. Yeah, and that's it. Enough said. Num- number two. Oh, you're moving us along, right? Okay. Don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get a hundred dollars back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Trigger warning for this story, you guys. It does mention talks of sexual assault, especially in relation to children. Hi, Jerry, Justin, and Morgan. I love the shows you guys have built, and I have been an avid listener since day one. Now on to my rant. I've been really struggling lately with a lot of past trauma, and I need advice. My sister, 29 female, has caused a lot of drama for myself and my family. To fill you in, she has always been kind of the problem child, but just in the last couple of years, she has made life so much harder for all of us. She has been through a slew of unhealthy relationships slash partnerships. While being in these relationships, she has constantly lied, manipulated, and made that person think her family is alienating her and that we hate her. Short backstory, our family has always been a bit of a mess. She and I have different dads, and she didn't know who her dad was until she was about 21 years old. Just in the last few years, she's kind of spiraled out of control, though. She met someone who, trigger warning, abused both of her kids and started alienating her. As her sister, I care so much about her and her kids that we intervened when things started to get seemingly shady. Her actions and her partner's actions led to her one-month-old baby being hospitalized and diagnosed with cerebral palsy shortly after. They didn't know if he would make it. My mother has custody of the children now because of my sister's actions. Since my mom took custody of the children and even went as far as adopting the baby, my sister tells everyone we took them from her and that we hate her, which is not true. I have not really been able to have a relationship with her since this happened about two years ago. I've tried, but every time I do, it just seems that I'm the one getting hurt. She guilt trips people for money and just lies to all of us. She recently told me she was in an abusive relationship and wanted out. I helped her to get to a women's shelter and get a bus ticket, but then radio silence. I lost touch for about two days. I was worried, so I posted missing persons pictures in the local groups of her town. She called me very sporadic and threatening that if I didn't take them down, it would be a problem. So I listened and just told her I loved her, but this was the last time I would help. Not even a day later, she called me again, saying she lied about the abuse, but then changed her story again and stopped talking to me. I've tried to just stick to myself and leave her because I can't deal with how chaotic she is when she's like this. I love my sister, but she's not herself anymore. She has been told she needs mental health treatment by many therapists slash psychiatrists, but she refuses to get help because she doesn't think anything is wrong. She's delusional at this point. I just want to know what I should do with this situation. I don't really have emotionally available parents to vent to. And on top of all of this, I was diagnosed with postpartum disorder just nine weeks after my second child. Thank you for any advice you may be able to offer. The sister is certainly a problematic situation. Absolutely. A lot going on. And, you know, this is nothing that apparently you're able to fix. Absolutely not. And the more that you try to think that you're the solution, I think the more you're you're you are fooling yourself. This woman is truly needs help way beyond what you can offer, mm-hmm. and it becomes dangerous to everyone else in in your life. The fact that she is manipulative, lying, she has beaten her own kids effectively, and tries to make it everybody else, everyone else is the, is the demon, you got to stay clear. Now, it doesn't mean that you, yeah. I mean, money, I mean, it's almost like dealing with an addict. 
where the addict says, you know, I, I realize I've, you know, I've done stuff, but I, I got to eat and I need money. Can't you help me out? I haven't gotten high. You know, I gave it up. I'm not getting high anymore. And the next thing you know is you are enabling the problem to, to, to go forward where in the reality, all you, your only option is to disable the ability of going forward to where the system is able to come in and take over. This is something part of our, 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 our society healthcare system. If, if she can't take it on her own to go get help, the system on its own will, will find her or she'll be phased out somehow. It's, it's, it's tough love, but yeah, it's this... not up to you to go step in and keep, unless you can get her to go along to say, I'm going to put you in a hospital and you're going to go along with it. What else can she do? Nothing. This is, I think, in the perfect sense, above her pay grade. And the system doesn't work. It doesn't. So what do you do? You're, it's literally, your your hands are bound. I mean, to give you an example of the system, I shouldn't say it doesn't always work. It can work for some, but there also needs to be family support and a lot of other things on the other end. So to give you an example, while working in mental health, I saw an abundance of patients, patients that have had amazing family support, were super successful and just went down this rabbit hole of drug use or unable to get their mental health under control. So they were having, you know, continuous episodes and their family was no longer able to support them. And so their family kicked them out or their family was back on the East Coast, but they lived in LA without anyone. So they would end up going from this locked psychiatric unit a lot of whom got there because police picked them up because they were disruptive in the streets or their family committed them. And they would go from the locked psychiatric unit where you're heavily monitored to where then where I mostly worked, which was a transitional housing unit. We got to go out in the community. We got to do classes. We got to have therapy. We did a variety of things. But after that, they transitioned to more independent living. And that's where they fall apart. They're picked, plucked from this nice home where I work, where their medication management they get assistance with. There's activities, there's social groups, there's everything to, hey, you're on your own now completely. They relapse. So I saw so many people. I've talked about this on my podcast where I had a patient, amazing guy, super successful, was driving a Mercedes, was living, you know, this music industry world, just crazy success, ended up falling down, just downward spiral again and again. And I ended up leaving work there thinking he's in a great place. He's going to do so well. I think eight months later, he showed up sitting in our lobby on the floor. I remember this. And I'm like, what the hell? No. Second example. And this is like, I didn't work there very long. I didn't encounter a lot of people. Time out one second. You almost understand that we, where we live, when she said end up in our lobby, this was totally disconnected from where she worked in the it's home. It across was across Los Angeles, and we live in a unit that is security very, building, very, very protected with security measures. And he somehow managed to get in. And out of all the buildings in LA, he could have walked into. Mm-hmm. It was mine. And, and I happened to go down the elevator to to go get the charger I forgot in my car at 1.30 a.m. And I happened to see him. She had no idea that, and he had no idea who was in this building. He found a random building, got through the secu- glass security door, found a, a, a chair or a couch to go sleep on. And he was simply cold and he found a place to sleep. It was insane, the coincidences. And I literally, I get out of the elevator and he's sitting on the ground at this point. Elevator door opens. He looks up at me and he goes, Morgan? And I'm just like, oh. And then the second one was a girl who actually grew up in the same neighborhood we live in, had a very wealthy family, mom that was super toxic though, so money doesn't get you everything. And she had a lot of mental health issues. And so she was in my unit. And I think that was her second time in my unit. And then when I went and I was working at UCLA, Mm -hmm. I had a random psych patient 
on the psych floor that had broken bones from something. And so we went up there to like check their splints and all this. And I saw her at UCLA and I'm like, no, like you were doing so well. Why are you here in a locked unit again? Mental health is one of these tricky, tricky things. It is so fragile and there's not great support in our society right now for mental health. No, there's not. You look at what people need in order to live, have a roof over their head, and we we you need a really good nine to five job to have anything over your head. And if you have any mental health slips, you're out of a house. You don't have health care. We don't have a lot of programs that support mental health. We are in a really bad situation when it comes to mental health. I understand that, but we're talking about this woman. So what, what does she, this woman what do? What does this woman do regard, regarding her sister? Nothing. There's nothing you can do. She herself is struggling with postpartum depression just nine weeks after her second child. You cannot light yourself on fire to keep other people warm. You need to look after yourself right now, your mental health, your family's well-being. You have tried ample times with your sister. And unfortunately, all you can do is say, hey, if you need my support, I will be here. What does that what does that what support, does that look like? What does that support look like? That's when what you are ready you. to go to a mental health facility, I will meet you there. Good. Other than that, do not involve yourself. That 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 is exactly what I wanted to understand. If clearly. she has any more kids, and I'm with you. Make sure that CPS is aware and it gets reported so those kids are taken out of her custody. She has proven she is an unfit mother. Mm-hmm. Having your 1-month-old almost die because of abuse from a partner and now he has CP. She's an unfit mother. She does not, should not have any more kids. I'm totally with you. But other than that, like you can't involve yourself. You can't intervene anymore. How many times can you intervene before this just, you're hurting yourself. So that's it. That's what we've come up with. And and I stand by your your recommendation on that as well. I'm with you. Well, and the ideal outcome, she gives two options. Option one, I want to be able to cut ties from someone this toxic without feeling guilty. Option two, is there a way to love someone and have them be a part of your life even when they're willing to lie and tell everyone how horrible you are to them, even if they're family? Love, loving someone doesn't mean you're in, you have to be active with them. Look, you may love her, but it, sometimes there's tough love. That she needs help and you, it's beyond your ability. And you can't allow you, you can't allow her to bring you and destroy your life because of of this. That's not really love. No. So recognize that you love her, but she needs to get for help. And and your only answer is I'm willing to be a part of your life. I'll meet you at, I'll meet you at a hostel, meet you at a shrink. I'll meet you whatever you want to do. I'll be glad to, to talk and be a part of the solution that, but that's where it begins and where it ends. I can't support you. You're out. This is all out of my, my, and I love that expression, my pay grade. It's, it's above down. my pay grade at this point. You know, I mean, I know we felt really bad when we saw your uh, the guy down the lobby. I remember I gave him my jacket mm-hmm. so he would be warm, and I I didn't didn't know what else we, what else we could really do for him. I mean, it's it's really hard because it's like you don't know what to do. There's very limited resources. I mean, my facility had a waiting list for beds to get in there, and. Mm-hmm the funding and how do you fund it? And um, sometimes shelters, these people don't feel safe in shelters. Like we Mm -hmm. would have people come in and they would get their stuff back after the locked unit. And there was one guy that had a machete that it looked like a flashlight, but it was actually a machete and he had it because he didn't feel safe at the shelter. But then because we found that he got kicked out of our facility. So we're so limited in what we can do and the funding's not there going back to this right in before we move on option one is probably the option I think is the healthiest like and and it blends with option two right like you can love your sister but not let your sister be in your life you can love your sister but not let your sister and everything she's got going on keep bringing you down Mm -hmm. and that's where you really lean in option two and like You don't have to feel guilty. Your Mm -hmm. sister is the one making these choices and you have tried to support her. And I think in order to address your feelings, especially compounded with the postpartum depression, Mm -hmm. 
therapy. Like therapy is a non-negotiable for you right now. You need it. It's going to benefit you. It could handle all of these mm -hmm. issues you're dealing with. So I you, really would you, pursue you, some therapy. You got, a lot of, you got a lot of muck on your shoulder. So you... It's a lot. Carrying the weight of the world. Yes. It's heavy. It's very, very heavy. But keep us posted. A new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Okay. So this is the more traditional intervention stories. So I want to just kind of give a definition for people if they don't know what a formal intervention looks like in drug and alcohol addiction. I'm on Psychology Today. This is an article written by Dr. Joel Young titled Drug and Alcohol Interventions. Do they work? Because that was a question I asked. I'm like, are interventions even effective? Like, does it do more harm than good? And so I kind of dove into it a little bit before this. So drug and alcohol interventions, during which loved ones nudge an addict towards treatment, have become so popular that it's now an entire show. An intervention uses peer pressure to encourage an addict to admit his or her problem and then seek appropriate treatment. During the intervention, a group of close friends and family gather together, and the gathering is usually a surprise to the addict. Each member of the group outlines the ways in which he or she has been harmed by the addict's addiction, pleads with the addict to seek treatment, and then lists the consequences for not seeking treatment. These interventions can be very emotionally charged, and family members endeavor to be specific about the worst consequences, rather than simply apply the abuse as harmful. Interventions are often, though not always, overseen by a mental health professional or interventionist who directs the intervention. If an addict agrees to seek treatment, they'll go shortly after the intervention. Do interventions work? There's little data available on the effectiveness of intervention, perhaps because effectiveness is difficult to define. Addicts are more likely to seek treatment when they undergo an intervention, but interventions don't affect the outcome of the treatment itself. So it's kind of hard to measure. Like on the one hand, yes, they're more likely to go, but is it effective? Maybe, maybe not. I lean towards the thing of if they're not ready to get help. They're not going to get help. They're not going to benefit from mm -hmm. it. So it's a fine line, especially when you feel handcuffed and you're like, this is all I have. If I don't do this, then they're dead. So it's a very tough topic. Um, and you do run the risk of when you do have one of these interventions of leaving that person feeling ostracized and like they have no support system anymore. Mm -hmm. No one to confide in. Mm -hmm. No one to turn to when they are ready for help. So a lot of pros and cons with these. I look at intervention that there is no other answer. Mm -hmm. And this person will be dead if I don't step up to the plate. And a lot of times that's what is the reality be because they're going to be dead anyways i have no option but i have so to. let's get into these write-ins again we are not therapists psychologists or psychiatrists we are just people observing and obviously if you are in this situation or a similar one i think it's always best to reach out to an actual therapist professional but i think highlighting some of these issues might help others recognize similar issues in their world and then reach out. So I do want to highlight these stories. We have a lot, a lot of write-ins about drug and alcohol addiction. So I felt like we needed to carve out. Well, you see them. I don't read them. So yeah, I felt like we needed to carve out some time for this topic. Okay. 
Okay, so number three. And by the way, I have had some people that I've been um, involved with that have had this in their life. I mean, you have a good friend right now that's struggling with an opioid addiction. It's it's a reality for a lot of us. Mm -hmm. It really is. I mean, I have a biological father and that that side has really struggled with alcohol. So Mm -hmm. we all, we all can relate to this in some way. And I've had people that have been in my life that in their family, they have, they had drug addiction. Yeah. You've lost family members because of it. I have. Absolutely. A few. Yes. Now that you think of, I mean, I've totally blanked all that. Yeah. Like some of your cousins that you were really close with. Lauren. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into this first one. Hi, Jerry, Justin, Morgan, and Holly. So to get straight to the point, my fiance, male 22, has been having a really bad mental health problem lately and refuses help. He gets severely mad at the smallest things. He drinks every single night and sometimes throws stuff if he gets mad enough. I, female 22, have tried to help him myself, but he never listens. His parents have tried to help, but he ignores them. And we have all tried to talk to him into getting back into therapy, but he refuses. We all want to see him get better, and I know deep down he does too, but he won't take the action to get better. And his mom told me, I don't deserve what he has done, and I know I don't, but I don't want to leave him because I really do love him and want him to get better. I just need advice on how to help him, please. Ideal outcome I just really want him to get help and be happy so he doesn't have to be miserable because I hate seeing him like that. Additional info, this has been going on since before we started dating, but it's gotten worse after we got engaged and we are going to get married next year, 2024. It might be the best help for him to break it off. I think so. Personally. Because I, yeah. I, you know, when we hear about people that, in the experience that I've had with addiction, in, in friends and family. Um, this is a roller coaster that sometimes, unless they really recognize it and they want help, you're going to be stuck in this thing. And it, it, you're going to get thrown from the coaster and you might end up in the ground and, and really damaged and hurt. So my answer is the, the only way that, if anything will wake him up, if he really is in love with you and he, and he sees that you've taken this drastic measure it might be enough to wake him up otherwise you've just saved yourself from the, from you've dodged the bullet unfortunately i know you love him and you care i got the fact that you care but if nothing else is working it's got to be something that's that that's so so dramatic that he is willing to see it and say i got to make a change in myself or that's just what he's going to be yeah and you and you've literally uh signed on for this for life. And that's, that's the rea- that's the cold reality. And it's hard to walk. I, I get it. I mean, I've been in relationships that were not healthy. They were not good and it took me a while to walk, but I realized for everybody, I'm not the one to fix this. And I might be the one that's even continuing to, to enable the problem that I need to, for all reasons, walk. And I have. Yeah. I mean, you're in a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Mm -hmm. But looking at how things have escalated, like this has been happening before you and now it's worse. It's far worse. Mm -hmm. I look at the fact that he is throwing stuff if he gets mad Mm -hmm. as like, this is okay. This is escalating. Is it going to be punching walls next? And then after the walls, is it you? Mm -hmm. Because that is a pattern that a lot of people see. Mm -hmm. First it's the walls and then it's me. So I don't look at this as being a healthy relationship. And I'm sorry, call me a wishful thinker or like a negative thinker. I don't even know. But like there's not all the love in the world that means that you should be in a relationship that's bad for you. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't care if he loves you enough to stand in front of a bullet. If he is also hurting you by hurting himself, Mm -hmm. that's not love. Like this is just so unhealthy. So I think I definitely would like get a therapist on board and 
tell them, hey, this is where we're at. We're kind of all at the end of our rope. We're thinking about an intervention. Well, that's that's even the fact that, are you saying before he would get him to the therapist, get yourself to the therapist? Yes. Because you need he, to get someone working on board right. with you with this. Like yeah. you guys aren't qualified. And the advice we're giving you is, hey, you need to involve a professional. This is to the point of a professional. So the professional will be able to answer, hey, yes, I think he's appropriate for an intervention. Or, hey, you know, he's he's telling you no. That's all we can do. The therapist will give you an answer. But I think you guys have really tried to pull out all the stops. You know, I, I think intervention could be an answer, but I would I would talk to a therapist. But I hope to God this person isn't getting in his car and driving. I look at how many, I've seen so many stories of people getting killed by drunk drivers lately. And mm -hmm. I'm like, what the fuck is it? Take their keys, call the police. Don't enable people to act like this. Cause they're not, the drunk drivers aren't the ones that die. It's the innocent people in the Absolutely. other car. Head, head on. They're Sometimes they get taken out, but ugh, it's just. We see a lot of it. Life is too short. And he's shortening his own life by acting like this. And he is dealing with severe mental health problems. There's no doubt, but. He's trying to bury do, him. He's trying to bury, bury, the, bury the pain. Yeah. And at a certain point, we each need to be responsible for ourselves and bettering our mental health. Yes, we are not equipped to deal with things on our own. It takes a village. Sometimes that includes a therapist, mm -hmm. but he needs to be willing to take that step. I agree. And if, and, if, and if he's not, you have to take the step for your own sanity. Yeah. And your own well-being. And that might just be walking. And I, it's, it sounds cold, but it really isn't cold. It really is reality. Yeah. But, and I think you say it best too. Like this will be the rest of your life otherwise. Mm -hmm. A new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Okay, so up next. Yes. Hello, Jerry. I love your advice, and Father Knows Something always makes me feel better. Also, my storytelling ability is trash, so thank you for even reading this. In October 2022... I, 25 female, moved to a big city to live with my best friend, E, 26 male, and his sister, C, 29 female, in a three-bedroom apartment. We all came from living alone in different cities and were excited to all be together. All of us are a little socially awkward, and I didn't know C at all before moving in. The first day I got there, E pulled me aside to tell me that C had drunken so much alone the week before I moved in that paramedics had to be called because she was unresponsive. Wow, alcohol poisoning. It just got worse when I moved in, and she would hide alcohol, and I began to get involved in helping E when she was drunk and at times violent. Without getting into the nitty-gritty, I was also involved in interventions and had to stay with parents, a two-hour bus ride and two-hour ferry ride away, on several occasions, as I am new to the city and didn't know anyone else. The stress was really hard, as she was always combative, and the constant yelling in the apartment started to trigger my past trauma from being in an abusive relationship. She did an outpatient program, begrudgingly, and when she still had continued relapses, went to an inpatient program. This was three months ago, and now she's in a sober living home in the same city, and there are talks of her moving back in with us. Both of their parents have put way too much on E, to the point that he's been experiencing PTSD symptoms. He does not have PTSD, 
just experiencing the symptoms, as his therapist has said. I am very protective of E, and it's been extremely difficult to see how both his parents treat this situation, saying E isn't doing enough and even pushing back on his boundaries to have her move in. C doesn't want to move in with her parents as she is hoping to go back to university in the fall, and their parents live far away. I'm not sure how to approach the conversation with E, as I don't want him to feel in the middle, but I also want to make my comfort level known. At the start of the roommate situation, I really tried to be friends with C, but the triggers have been too strong that I know even if everything were perfect, i.e. no relapses and better overall outlook, I don't know how long it would take for me to feel that I'm not walking on eggshells anymore. I want to also respect my place that I am not in their family dynamic, and my only opinions should come from a roommate perspective and not a personal one. I try my best to be available to support my friend through this, but I don't think I can do it again and keep the place I'm mentally at now that I've worked so hard to get to. I don't know how I should move forward. Any advice helps. Additional info. I've gone to AA a lot through high school to support my abusive ex's family, and he also worked at the treatment center that she went to. I have strong beliefs that alcoholism is a disease, and it does run in my family as well. And all three of our names are on the lease until this July. It's June 3rd, baby. I mean, You I, got a month. I, you're out of there. Be done. Go. I mean, this isn't a complicated thing. You remove yourself from the situation so you're not a part of it. Yeah, and it's hard because obviously she wants to support her, you know, her friend, which is this person's brother. But you can also you can still support him from afar. And it might be better if you have a, your own place. So he has a refuge. He can come stay on your couch. You know, I think it's time to You're out of the equation. To separate yourself a little. Get out of the equation. It's it's that simple. You're you are in a riptide. Swim out. Don't swim into it. Don't try to Swim to the side and go back to the beach. So I guess with this case, looking at an intervention per se, the family has taken care of C. C has had interventions. C continues to go, you know, to rehab. She's now in a outpatient home rehab, I believe I read, a sober living house. Mm -hmm. She wants to start school in the fall. So my best case scenario would be for C to live with her parents until the fall and then maybe find her own housing. But as far as an intervention, do you think you could go to your friend E and say, hey, I recognize I'm just the roommate. I'm not family, but I would like to see you get out of the situation. What are your thoughts on the two of us finding our own place together? And we don't let your sister stay with us. That's my boundary. Do you think you can intervene in that way? I think you just right now point blank saying, look, for right now, I have to leave for my own mental health and safety. If you want to come, I'm down to have you as my roommate and we can do an arrangement. Our lease is up in 30 days. There's no doubt I am, I'm out of here. Yeah. And you get to do what you want to do, but it's, it's extended to you. I cannot deal with the mental muck that's going on with everything else. I need to remove yeah. myself from it. And it's that simple. You got, this is put on your, you're flying in the plane. The plane just lost pressurization and you got to put your mask on first. Boom. Done. Then go decide what you want to do next, but get out of the situation. Remove yourself. I think that's all you can do. I mean, she didn't know C before moving in with her and yet was involved in these interventions mm -hmm. that are meant to be very close family and close friends. I mean, this is a really really difficult situation to be in. I, I'm, I, I say you have no business being there. Get out and just go on your, go to your own place. And if yeah. he wants to come see you, that's where I'm at. And you want to move in, that's where I'm at. But it, it's, 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 this is not an open invitation to everybody else in the family. This is with you and I, and we're going to have our life. I can't involve myself. And if, if it's not, if that doesn't work for you, I totally understand. And you're going to have to go again. These people have to cut, cut the, it's up to people to cut the muck out of their life. Mm -hmm. If they want to have a life with all this drama, that's your choice. You make that decision and you live that decision. To me, it's just 
there's too much of it going on. And there's other, there's better, easier ways to have life than to, to invite all the stuff into it. Well, I think that's especially the case if your own mental health is suffering. Mm -hmm. This has been triggering for you because of your past abuse and trauma. So it's one thing if you can just like not let it get to you. But if you're a really empathetic person that takes on everything or if this is triggering for you, you have to, again, look after yourself. You can't light yourself on fire to keep other people warm. It's a very it's a very tough position she's in though, wanting to support your friend who you love and she has to get out. She has to go 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 save herself and be with her own stability for what works for her. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is definitely a it's time to move out and remain friends with your friend mm -hmm. and try not to to let this affect you anymore as hard as it is. I know, you know, it can it can really bleed in. I agree. Okay. So I welcome anybody that's in the comments. If you have tools to help this person that's different than what we're saying, we certainly welcome you to offer those tools to the to the write-ins. And I think that's it for our show for this evening. Yeah. And I think anyone who has had any personal experiences with interventions, whether you've been a part of facilitating one or had one for yourself, mm -hmm. like your family got together for you as the person, um, I think... It would be great if you could share. Especially if, it, if you feel that it worked for you. Yeah. And, and that way that they can take, take you know, that positivity and figure out how to really implement it. Yeah. Mental health. I mean, you guys, this is something we all really struggle with and there's no perfect solution. Everyone's mental health and getting it to a good place is such a personalized prescription. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it takes a lot. It takes a village. I like, I'm thinking back on what I said where I'm like, it takes a village mm -hmm. and sometimes that includes a therapist. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, I really want to put that on a t-shirt because sometimes I need a reminder too. Like it's, it's okay to go to therapy. It's okay to rely on someone who isn't personally connected to you. And I know some people have like been like, well, I'm paying this person to like be my friend. It's like, no, this, this therapist is not your friend. This is a professional that has tools to address things you might not know how to. So that's it for our show tonight. That is it. There's going to be some amazing content on Patreon, but that is it for the episode. So come see, make sure you're watching all the Patreons. Make sure you press the subscribe button. I do have an intervention story to head over for over there. You do? I do. Okay. So we'll see you over at Patreon. Good night for the night. Bye. Bye.